Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. I'm going to take just a few quick moments to share something that I feel the Lord has put in my heart for you. And I wish at this point that I would have gone first because he does it to me every time. But I just like you, I just want Jesus. That's all I really want. I just want Jesus. I, like David, have found myself in many, many occasions where he writes in Psalm 62, verse one, he says, my soul waits for God and for God alone. Have you ever been in a place where literally you could feel your soul crying out that all you were waiting on, all you wanted, the only thing that you knew would satisfy you would be that if God responded to you himself. David says, my soul waits for God alone. You see, and what I would like to emphasize and what I believe that the Lord wants to encourage you with tonight is, are you waiting for God? You see, because many of us are waiting for other things. Many of us are waiting for godly activity. Many of us are waiting for the fulfillment of some word that God has given to us. And in fact, many of us, though we were at one point waiting for God, are now waiting in frustration because it would seem as if God is not responding to me anymore. It would seem as if God is not moving me forward towards the things that he's spoken to me, all of what has been revealed to me of even things that God might want to do with you himself. But I would tell you that more earnest and more jealous for the word of the Lord in your life more jealous for some activity that you think is going to satisfy you if God would finally just put you down in some ministry or some responsibility or some context where you feel like it's necessary for you to flourish in this walk with the Lord. More than you might think you want that for yourself, he wants that for you. But what he's waiting for is for you to want him more than it. What he's waiting for is for you to be trustworthy enough for him to do the thing that he's shown you. You see, because it's not that he's withholding from you. And in fact, I thank God that he will not give into my life anything that will take my life from a place of waiting for him and him alone. And so he waits until he can trust me with the thing that he's revealed to me. And it is the period of waiting that reveals a lot about who and what we are, regardless of what comes out of our mouth. It's the period of waiting that expresses who we really are and what we are really all about. Because most of us have a timetable. We have certain boundaries that we're comfortable with waiting on God for something. Most of us, we all have a certain line drawn in the sand that we say, okay, I'm waiting on the Lord and I can wait this far. But what about when you've been made to wait longer than you know how to wait? What about when you've been waiting longer than you're comfortable with waiting? What about when you've waited to the point where you don't even really know if God is going to do the thing anymore? 
It's in this time. Not in the beginning stages of waiting. Not in your encouraging days of waiting. All of us in the beginning when we feel as if we've received something from God himself are encouraged when we feel like we have to wait. But what about when waiting has gone way over what your internal disposition is able to keep the outer exterior and the facade and all of the imagery up to date with? You see, what about when you start falling apart at the seams through waiting? It's at this point that I believe much of who we think we are gets challenged. And until you lose the idea of who you believe you are and are confronted with who you really are, you're not ready to move on with the things that God has shown you. I thank God that he has given us his presence because self-realization happens in the presence of Jesus. When you get into the presence, you start to learn things about yourself that you did not know about yourself. Take Matthew 16, for instance. Peter stands before Jesus, and he has this wonderful revelation. For thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, for you shall no longer be Simon. But from this point forward, you shall be Peter. You find it all throughout the scriptures. Men and women who had an encounter with the manifest presence of Jesus, even as Eric spoke about. Men and women who had an encounter with the presence that left the encounter in the presence different than when they went in. You find things becoming changed that you didn't even know needed to be changed. When you encounter God in the fullness of all and what he is, the only thing that happens is the light begins to shine. And everything that we've tried to hide and to keep in the dark of our lives gets exposed. And that's why most of us, we can know about Jesus as long as I don't have to have the presence of Jesus. Because if I know about him, I don't have to change. But when I get close to him, it demands a response. It demands a response. And you cannot draw close to the person of Jesus without everything in you that's unlike him beginning to get afraid that it's going to lose its priority. It's going to lose its place. It's going to lose its foothold in your life because the more you draw to him, everything unlike him begins to come out of you as you see the one. Self-realization. David was a man even whom was referenced that I would like to highlight in a very familiar story that I'm sure all of us that if we've been in the church for any period of time are, are familiar with. In 1 Samuel 16 and 17, we find a man by the name of David. And we find that at the end of 1 Samuel 17, verse 47, David standing in front of a giant of a man, and he looks at him and he says, Today, all the people will know that it's not by sword or spear that God saves. And he will give you into my hands, and I will deliver your carcasses to the birds of the sky. David is looking at a giant of a man. And the reason that David knows that God does not save by sword or spear, the reason that David knows that God is going to give him the deliverance from the life of the giant that stands on the outside of him is because David has already had deliverance from the giant that stood up on the inside of him. And because David was able to slay the giant on the inside, God gifted him with the privilege to slay the giant on the outside. 
And I know that David slayed the giant on the inside because nothing crushes the giant in your life more than having to wait. Waiting on God is one of the only crucibles in life to destroy the giant that has taken up residence on the interior of your heart and life. Waiting on God is one of the only remedies that God has gifted us with, though it's the thing that we resist the most. Waiting on God and God alone is one of the only ways to bring an abrupt death to the giant that lives on the inside of you and of me. And you see, until we have slayed the giant on the inside, we're not ready to chase any giants on the outside. Because when you're chasing the giant on the outside, though you might think you're killing giants on the outside, all you're really doing is feeding the giant that's still alive on the inside. All you're really doing is feeding the thing that you've really wanted all along. And so now slaying Goliath isn't about so that all of Israel can see that there's a God who is actually alive and for his people. Slaying Goliath is the way that you get into the promotion and the place that you've always wanted to be, that you've just not known how to work your way into. Slaying Goliath is no longer about God as much as it is about you. And what will Saul do for the man who slays this uncircumcised Philistine? David doesn't even want to hear anything about it. He says, the thing that you don't realize is that he's defying the living God. There's a presence that David lives with that he doesn't want to violate. There's a person that he's close to that he doesn't want to remove himself from by any compromise. But you see, it all begins in the beginning when David is out in the field and he's tending the sheep. And Samuel comes at the beginning of 1 Samuel 16 and it says that he comes to the house of Jesse. And Jesse brings all of his seven sons in front of Samuel. And Samuel says, it's none of these. For God doesn't look at the same thing that men look at. He says, it's not any one of these. For God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And he asks Jesse, he says, do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, well, I mean, there's one more. But he's not even here. He's out tending the sheep. David had a place of satisfaction in God out in the field, out in the wilderness. David wasn't even invited to the party when it was happening. David wasn't even included in the conversation whenever they were trying to factor in or to reason out who would be the next best fit for the availability of the spot that Samuel was there for. David wasn't even a thought in his own father's mind in order to invite him in. But I will tell you that though the eyes of the world were not upon David, the eyes of God knew right where he was. And David sat out in a place of faithfulness. David sat out in a place of waiting. David sat out in a place where he truly had to find if he was satisfied in God and in God alone. And I want to encourage you that the Lord sees you. <laughs> it doesn't matter if men include you. He sees you. It doesn't matter if people put you in the conversation. He sees you. You see, because a heart that's truly been satisfied by God, you're not trying to include yourself anymore. You're not trying to put yourself in the right conversation all the time anymore. 
You're not trying to make sure that your invite ticket has been punched and that you're at every right event sitting in front of every person that you believe is going to put you in the right place. You're not any longer worried about if he is or is not going to do it because you have him and that's all that matters anymore. And so though David was put on the outside, God brought him into the inside. And that's the way that you want it to happen. You don't want to include yourself and then have to question, God, are you really with me? Because most of us will fool ourselves into believing that God is doing it himself, though all we've really been doing is working all of our muscle and strength and networking and manipulation and leverage and everything that we know how to do because we're unwilling to wait. And David is brought in to the story, not because a man placed him, but because God placed him. And David is included, and David then finds himself hearing things about himself that God knew that he was letting him in on. And Samuel prophesies over him and tells him much of what his future is going to look like, that he is now the next anointed one. But what is interesting about the story is that after the end of this encounter, David does not simply pack his bag and go chasing Samuel. <laughs> he goes back out to the field. He doesn't pack his bag and make straight way towards the palace. <laughs> Though he has a prophetic word. He has a prophetic word. Shouldn't he be going to the palace? That's what God said. Shouldn't he be chasing Samuel? That's the one that prophesied over him. <laughs> but you see what's better than the palace and what's better than the prophet is the presence of Jesus. David said, I go where God goes. And if this is where he wants me to go, then this is where we'll go. And David finds himself back out in the field. Back out in the field with a word from the Lord. <laughs> Are you back out in the field with a word from the Lord? Are you back out in a place of hiddenness and isolation with nothing but a word from God? Are you back out in a place of seeming insignificance? where nothing seems to be going the way that God has spoken over your life, where nothing is heading in the direction of all that's been prophesied over you, of everyone that's ever laid their hands on you and things that they've told you about you that maybe you didn't even realize and things that God himself has said to you. Are you back out in the field with nothing but Jesus and Jesus alone? And if you are, I encourage you that you are in the best place that life has to offer. Because if I know one thing about the Lord, I know this that it is the way of God to lead men and women out into a wilderness place. But he's not walking you out there so that he could leave you to see how well you can do without him. In fact, it is quite the opposite. He's walking you out there to find out what satisfies you. And he'll walk you out into the wilderness to find out what really has a hold of your heart. Because it's not until we get out in the wilderness all alone with God that we are even able to know if we are satisfied with nothing but God. And it's not until our life has been stripped of all of the things that we feel are necessary or all of the spiritual things that we apply to ourselves in order for us to look right, sound right, do right, impress people the right way, until all of that has found its way away from us that we can truly know if what we've been clinging to all along has been God and God alone. David is faced with Saul and Saul says, put my armor on. 
and go out there in this. And David looks at Saul and it says he tries to walk around a little bit. And then he says, I can't, I can't do this. This doesn't, this doesn't work for me. Like I can't go out. I'm not familiar with this. This is not the way that I walk with the Lord. This is not the way that I know in my experience of God. This is not going to be right. I cannot move forward with this. And David here at a fundamental level is showing us that it's not simply just the way we look that's important. You see, because most of us believe that as long as we can look the right way, as long as we can look the part, which is why I made the joke with you about Facebook in the beginning. You see, because most of us post things in a false reality that we wish were true about ourselves in order to get other people to think things about ourselves. <laughs> it's okay. It's not okay that you do it, but I'm saying it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> And so we have this false time and space where we can be anybody that we want to be as long as we post the right thing. <laughs> we have this false time and space where we can show highlights or what I would want to be highlights of myself so that I can get you to think something about me that I don't even really believe about me in the first place. Because if I did believe it about me, it wouldn't matter what you thought about me. I wouldn't need to post anything for you to see because I already know what I see. And I know what it is that God has made me to be. And so I don't need to prove it to you in order for you to validate me because I'm already validated. And it's in the place of waiting. It's only in the place of waiting for God and for God alone that these things can even be realized about your life. It's only in the place of waiting that all of these deceptions and all of the false things and the way that the enemy gains ground in our heart and in our life can be exposed and we can actually be set free. Because what you need is freedom. You need freedom from the person that you think you should be and that you daily condemn yourself with because you're looking at all of the other people around you who are not giving you the reality of who they are. And so all you're seeing is the highlights and the big time exposure and the fancy things about others. And so you're constantly guilting yourself to believe that you need to be something else when God just wants you for himself. And if you would simply find a place of satisfaction with God and with God alone, you would stop trying to prove a point to everybody else around you. David wasn't trying to prove a point. David wasn't trying to prove he was good enough. He wasn't trying to prove he was strong enough or spiritual enough. He wasn't trying to prove to the rest of those around him that he had the goods and he could get the job done. He just wanted to walk with God. And is that the testimony of your life? <laughs> is that the testimony of your life? Do you just want to walk with God? It can be tested in one very quick way. <laughs> what if he doesn't do for you the thing that he promised you? <laughs> we'll find out real quick what you're after. We'll find out real quick what you're waiting for. We'll find out real quick the thing that you are posturing your life before him, but the thing that you really want. David said, my soul waits. For God and for God alone. And it's not by sword or by spear that he saves. All of these are 
measures. They're extensions of our striving, of our strength. And the God has already said, it is not by might nor by power, but it is by my spirit. And we need the spirit to deliver us from the deception of this flesh and the things that would resist us from being satisfied with God and with God alone. Because he is enough to satisfy you. David says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When was the last time that you've tasted and seen? When was the last time that you've tasted and seen? When was the last experience with God that you had where everything else in your peripheral or even right in front of you became irrelevant because the one that was with you, you finally realized was all that ever mattered? If you can't remember the last time I tell you that tonight is your night. <laughs> and I just ask you right now, if there's anything else that's been crowding your heart, if there's anything else that's been clouding your vision, in a moment, we're gonna ask the Lord to speak to us. And you see, it's a dangerous thing to ask because it means he's going to answer. And once we ask and he answers, I pray that he gives us grace. I pray that he gives us strength in order to deal with whatever it is that he exposes in us. I'm gonna ask our team to come and join us on the platform. And right where you are, I just going to ask you to stand on your feet. I'm not gonna belabor the point. All over the room, would you just stand up on your feet? More than anything tonight, I tell you what God wants more than anything is a people that would find their satisfaction in him. A people that would find their satisfaction in him. And it's not that he's number one on the priority list. If this is the way that you feel like you've set your life up, you've done it wrong. He trumps the whole list. The list doesn't even exist without him. He is central. He is everything. He's not first. He's everything. Nothing else in your life, not two, three, four, five, can exist without him. And until we find this place where Jesus becomes our all in all and everything to us, I tell you, plead with the Lord that he does not allow you to step into anything else until you found your satisfaction in him. Because very quickly, we will find ourselves in the place that Eric spoke about, where the thing that he gives us leads us away from the one. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.